So today's going to be different. I'm not going to read a text. I'm going to just kind of begin with prayer and a monologue, and then we'll get to the title and the intent. So there's, there's a, a, a movie producer wh- whose name escapes me, but it's, it's M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong, whatever, something like that. And, and so, you know, you know there's going to be a twist. So when you hear me say some things, don't... In, in preaching, it's kind of like a fine restaurant. If you go to a very nice restaurant, they might have a flower on the plate with your steak. It's not meant to be eaten. It's, it's not meant to be ingested. It's not meant to be consumed. It's not meant to be internalized. It's part of the presentation. So in preaching, if, if you use creativity, some things are part of the presentation. Don't, don't, don't consume that. It's, it's an aside. It's just, it's there to amplify a larger point. So, so don't get hung up on the flour or the parsley that's sprig, the, the twisted piece of orange. You don't need to eat orange with a filet, but somehow they put it next to a filet. It's just a part of the presentation. Amen. Lord Jesus, I love you today. I thank you for your great goodness to us. I feel your presence. I thank you for the great vision that's here, the ministry, the outreach of this church. It's a hub for not just this city, but for this county and probably this state. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak blessings upon new life. I speak blessings upon Jeff and Tammy Harpo, their family, their marriage, their children their prodigy, all of it, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. May it last for generations. May the truths that are preached here, that are lived here, outlive every one of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray this morning for an anointing to preach. I take authority over the spirit of fear. I take authority over the spirit of confusion. Today, Master, may you heal hearts. May you repair wounds. May you save a person who's on a path to destruction. I know that we're reaching more than we see with our eyes. There are people who will see this online, live, and then later on. May the same anointing that's in this room be felt and ministered through in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and smile at them as loud as you can. (laughs) Clap your hands to the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. Without a doubt, we are living in a time of great tumult. Tumult, a disorderly commotion or disturbance, a tempestuous arising, uprising or a riot, agitation of mind or emotions, tumult. Satan thrives in confusion. Confusion and anguish are breeding grounds for bitterness and disunity. Many people with ulterior motives are doing their best to divide other people. They have discovered that if you can divide people into group categories or classes, then they can use those divisions as a means to ingratiate themselves financially to become the champion of a certain group. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul said, For God is not the author of confusion. Confusion 
requires an author. It requires a writer, a narrative. Authors create stories. There is no confusion without the presence of a story, usually a false story. This is why truth is so important. Truth is liberating. Truth is powerful. In John 8, Jesus said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Not the knowledge of the truth. The truth shall make you free. To know the truth and then to speak that truth requires great courage. And that courage cannot be present without being convinced of the truth you are speaking. Again, we are not commanded to make converts. We are commanded to preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature needs a preacher. To convey, we, 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 we must be convinced. New converts are the result of convinced conveyors conversing about the commandments. Confusion. These are confusing times, and that is by design. Who do you believe? Who do you trust? What is, what is truth? We have that answer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Truth is a person. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this truth has proclaimed his will in his powerful intercessory prayer found in John 17. John 17, 22. The glory which thou gavest me, I've given thee that they may be one even as we are one. He wants us to be one, to be united, not divided. While the Bible declares Satan to be the author of confusion, this same Bible declares Jesus to be the author of our faith. Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the, the author and the finisher of our faith. Just as confusion requires false stories that breed doubt and division, faith requires true stories that breed unity, hope, vision, and purpose. The idea of oneness isn't unique to the Godhead. It's required to accomplish great things. So allow me to posit this question. What is the most effective way of dividing people? Is it through class warfare? I will admit stoking the flames of envy with the diabolical fuel of entitlement and unfairness is pretty good at creating division. But I believe there's an even more effective way to divide people than through class warfare. Maybe it's through racism. This subject is not off limits to the church. Again, don't get up and walk out. You got to hear me out. I've often said things that are quite controversial. I do not believe in interracial marriage. Everybody smile. I don't believe you should marry outside the human race. 
You shouldn't marry a frog, hog, log, or dog. You shouldn't marry an alien. But if they're a human being and they're born again by God, you still with me? Passed our first hurdle right there. It'd have been funny if I'd have stroked out after saying that sentence. Like, my God, that was a judgment of God. No, this subject isn't off limits to the church. As a matter of fact, the church ought to be the place where this wicked device of Satan is exposed and expunged. The church ought to be the place where all the people look to one Savior. I know you know. We all bleed red, but we need to read what is written in red. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one to another. Mark of discipleship is how I treat you. When asked by the disciples to teach them how to pray, his response was the most well-rehearsed of all Christian prayers. It begins, our Father. We are all part of the most powerful race, the human race. The church is the place where gracism replaces racism. So yes, I would agree that the lens of racism is pretty effective at dividing people, but it's not the most effective. Class warfare is pretty good. Envy, it's pretty effective, but it's, it's not the most effective. The most effective tool of dividing people is language. Une grenouille vit un bœuf qui lui semble de belle taille. Elle qui n'était pas ressentue comme un œuf en vue de ses et sur travail pour égaler l'animal. Mais ça, si je pointe encore. Oui ou non? Now, I, that's, a, that's a French poem I memorized in 1985. <laughs> But I instantly divided you from me. I went off into a realm of talking about a frog who wanted to impress his girlfriend and, it, and blew up his neck to impress her and it blew up right in front of her and he didn't, he didn't get the girl. I told that story just now and you all missed it. The house <clears throat> was instantly divided by language. <clears throat> I went to the Philippines to preach a youth camp in 1997, I think. And when I got there, I knew there was going to be a language barrier. They speak Tagalog. My stepmother's from Puerto Cortez and Andorra, so they have Espanol. So I've heard Spanish spoken and Tagalog is similar to Spanish, and my message was from uh, Philippians chapter 2, where the Bible says, let this mind be in you which also was in Christ. So I thought, if I have the mind of Christ, what do I do with my mind? So my message is, have you lost your mind? <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> in the kingdom of God, you're either insane or in sin. Right? Right. It's a great message. So I asked my host, Boots, Boots, how do you say this in Tagalog? He showed it to me. So when I got up to preach, a thousand young people there, and I read my text in English, and then I said, tonight I'm going to preach Nasasir Naba Ang Yang Utak. Pretty good, huh? <laughs> They all stood up, just a little effort, and a house divided became united 
because we all spoke the same language on one sentence. Language. Language is the most powerful way to divide people. Doesn't matter how much you may like people from a different country with different accents because if you cannot communicate with them, there can be little to no fellowship and there can be little to no formal function. Fellowship and function, the the language barrier is the most powerful tool of dividing human beings. You know how I know that? Because that is the tool God used to divide humanity. Read Genesis 11 and 6, and Jesus, God says, if, as one people speaking the same language, they've begun to do this thing. Nothing that they do shall be impossible. So let us go down and confuse their language. And they stopped building the city. The people were divided. What they wanted to do could not be done because of the most powerful, most divisive effort, the most divisive tool in the world is language. They were one. They were all getting along. They all had the same goal, same vision, same purpose. But to stop them from doing the impossible, to divide the people, he divided their language. To understand people who speak different languages, you need to employ a translator. Someone or something who knows and understands both languages. The power of translation is very real. One missed word, one overlooked noun or omitted verb can change the entire meaning of a sentence. There's a phrase that is used for the type of activity I'm, respl- I'm talking about, and it's called lost in translation. You ever heard that before? It's, it's lost in translation. The phrase means words having lost or lacking the full subtlety of meaning or significance when translated from the original language to another, especially when done literally. And a perfect example of inaccurate conclusions resulting from mistranslations would be things like this. That's the statue of Moses. That's Michelangelo's view of Moses. Now, if you look at this, this won't be the only one. But if you did an online search of Moses, you will find him with horns on his head. Why did Michelangelo put horns on Moses' head? Did he believe that Moses was a devil? Was he some weird unicorn that happened to have two horns? No. He read Exodus 34 and 29. Where the Bible says that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone. And that word shone in Hebrew is Quran, And it means to shoot out horns or to shine. So Michelangelo and others put horns on the head of Moses. In other words, the meaning of the word was lost in translation. And I've got a few other hilarious examples of things that are lost in translation. Check this one out. 90% of all people are caused by accidents. If you knew your mom or dad, look at and say, is that true? Here's here's the next one. Now, this is a, a bomb sniffing dog. 
Warning. Explosive dog. Don't be near him when he's digesting food. Warning. Here we have another ominous warning. Shoplifters will be... That's a hard rule. That's a hard rule. My God, these people are serious. And then I I find this one. This is a, a Chinese, a yellow Chinese cleaning sign. Execution in progress. How about this one on a a food label? Explodes the large intestine. Yeah. Yes, it do. That needs to be in a Chinese, Mexican restaurant too. what, What they're trying to do is communicate. There's this barrier, this language barrier, so that the intent, the motive, the, the, the drive, what they were trying to communicate was lost in translation. And maybe the last one, it says, the pool is closed till further notice. Sorry for the incontinence. Now, it depends if, if you understand well, up to this point, I've been simply trying to lay a foundation for the word God's given me for you. Up to this point, we've talked about the number one cause of division among people. I believe I've proved to you that the number one way to separate people from people, to divide people... It isn't through class warfare, racism, or any other. The way God divided mankind was through language. I've shown you images where the meaning was lost in translation. But my message to you today, new life, is under the title, Found in Translation. No applause, please. Remain seated and don't run while I'm speaking. Thank you for that. Found in translation. To translate means to render in another language. To put into simpler terms. To explain. To interpret. While the gist and meaning of words can be lost in translation. Your soul can be delivered from a lifetime of bitterness and anger and resentment. You can be found in translation. I know you don't know yet everything, but just stay with me. How you translate what has happened to you will determine your destiny and ultimately your final destination. Failure to properly translate events in your life can and often result in a painful existence. 
You and I need to learn the language of God. If we don't, then Satan can and will separate you. He will divide you from God by language. The most effective tool of dividing people from God is language. You know what I'm talking about. Because you've said, why? Why did this happen to me? Why did she leave? How are you going to translate that? If you're not careful, you will translate the good intention of God to the handiwork of the devil. Mm. When we mistranslate the events of life as God aligning himself against us, we become frustrated and angry and depressed and even hopeless. Let me ask you a question. How do you see life? How many times have I seen good people, intelligent people, become deeply embittered because they translated events that God intended to develop their character into a personal attack from God? Yes, he has singled you out, but not to destroy you. Yes, it was a custom-made recipe. All of the events of your life, your mom, your dad, your height, your weight, color of your eyes, the color of your hair, if you have hair, all of that. God, God, God. That's why we accept him as creator. He did this. I don't have to understand. I don't even need an explanation I've got to develop an intimate relationship with him where I can trust him. Because when trust is present, an explanation is not. Ne- Listen to me. You come to my house and you have supper with me. And we're all in my living room and kitchen. And all of a sudden I say, honey, to my wife, I need to run to Walmart real quick. I'll be right back. Ten minutes later, I get to the house and Paula is standing at the door. Her foot's tapping, her hands on her hip. She goes, where have you been and what have you been doing? I've been gone 10 minutes. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out uh, there's no trust in this relationship. Because trust does not demand an explanation. Let me ask you a question. Do you trust God? If you do, then you cannot, you should not, you will not demand an explanation. Brother Tenney said, you better reserve the biggest room in your brain for things you don't understand. It's a beautiful place to get to the place where you don't need an explanation. My mom was married four times. My dad was her second husband. My uncle was a bandito, his wife a prostitute, my brother a drug dealer. I was raised very poor. We got kicked out of Disney World when I was eight years old because my family was stealing souvenirs. I'm not trying to be crass, but I was way raised white trash, is what we call it down south. <laughs> we, we just, we, we just we, my family thought nothing of stealing. We would, my family would, in the night, break into the next-door neighbor's house and, and take things from old lady Ligon. 
this, this was my norm. This is how I was raised. I was raised. My mom, after she divorced her third husband, she began to bring in different men into the home. And I would buy weed. I'd go buy dope from, from men in Jennings, Louisiana. When I was 12 years old, I knew what it was like to steal a tray from Sonic. Used to have Sonic trays. They were aluminum with a yellow hook. I'm looking for the old people here who know that. And those Sonic trays was where my mama's boyfriend, when he would buy an ounce of Sensimillion, he would separate the weed from the seed. I'm just looking for the potheads now. <laughs> and so whenever they would go partying on Friday night, I would pull out the Sonic tray and I would take out a little zigzag. I'm just looking for the potheads. You know what a zigzag is? Mm-hmm. I'm, I see who you are. Bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. Mm-hmm. And I would... I would try to roll my own joint and I would try to separate the weed from the seed and I, I couldn't do it well. It wasn't tightly, if you, whatever. I'm not trying to give you a class on dope, but you, you gotta. I'm rolling my joint and I'm, I'm trying to get it tight like you're supposed to and, and then I light and I'm, I'm and then a, 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 a seed gets caught in the, in the, in the weed and, and it burns your lips. Just looking for the potheads who's had that happen too. Now, no one would have looked at that boy at 12 and said, he's going to be speaking at marriage seminars and pastoring a church and teaching Bible studies. But I will tell you, at the age of 14 years old, when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, something happened in me. <laughs> I grabbed the Bible. I grabbed the Bible in a horse trough. And I went to the local parish jail. I'm 15 years old. Got a suit and tie on. I'm going bald at 15 already. That's a blessing. And I say, I'm a minister. I'd like to go upstairs and minister. I'd never seen a jail before. And they got on the mic and they said, we have a minister calling you upstairs. I'm like, oh, I get to see a jail. 15 years old. I'm upstairs in the jail. I climb on those bars. And I started preaching John chapter 3. There was a ruler of the Jews and Nicodemus. The same came to Jesus by night saying, Master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do the miracles thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith to him, Lord, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he the second time do his mother's womb be born? Jesus answered to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man is born of the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 15 years old. But all of that, the marriage, the divorce, curling up in a little ball on the floorboard of the 1974 Buick Electra 225, driving from 221 Gaynell Street in Jennings to 155 Knollwood Drive in Lafayette, Louisiana, right in the fourth grade when Mama was at the end of her marriage with Michael. She'd been married to Michael for about six years at this point, and they would fight. Oh, God, they would scream and they would cuss. I'm just a little Catholic boy. I don't, I don't know anything, but I just know this. I do not want to live like this. You know what God was doing to that little boy in fourth grade? He was putting marriage seminar material into me. Yeah, yeah. See, I, my life has been found in translation. Satan wants to divide you from him through a mistranslation. God has ordained every single thing that's happened in your life. The
the good, the bad, the ugly. It does not matter. He is almighty. Oh, I could be bitter. I could be angry. I could have four or five wives. I could have five, six children with four or five. I could. That was the path. That's what Satan wanted for me. That was the plan. But what he didn't realize that was that one day I was going to get a pair of goggles, not Google, and I was going to view life through a translation that Google couldn't do. I was going to find out that there's a God who sits on the circle of the earth who's never going to stop doing good to me. I'm trying to preach about a perception change. You got to change the way you view life. Found in translation, your perception will determine your reception. How you perceive will determine what you receive. Your perception is greatly influenced by the condition of your heart. I got a few things that God's shown me over the years that have become part of me. They're just part of me. They're in my mind. They're in my spirit. It's, it's, it's the word character. The word character, imprint of the soul. If you look up the Latin of the word character, it means imprint of the soul. Your character is your soul tattoo. Man, promoting tattoos this morning. It's my soul tattoo. I remember going through some yuck in my church, and I've been in Jennings my whole life, my entire life. I'll be 53 in March. I was born in, in, in Texas, actually, but was raised in, in Jennings, Louisiana, and lived almost all of my life in Jennings. I received the Holy Ghost when I was 14 in Jennings and was a member of the church for 12 years, and I've been pastoring it for over 26 years. It's all I know. Jennings is not where I wanted to go. I never aspired to be a pastor in Jennings, Louisiana. I couldn't wait to go where there's snow and mountains and hills, but no, I'm where there's nothing but mud and flat ground and muddy water. But that is where he planted me. That is where God used me. And when I figured this out, all of a sudden, principles began to come to me. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32, verse 40, I was reading, this has been 10, 15 years ago. I read this verse in the new, in the nearly inspired version. The Niv, not to be confused with the Kajiv. You can read the Kajiv, but often you need the Niv. If you read the Niv, you will hear this phrase. He says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. <laughs> I will never stop doing good to them. <laughs> He's never going to stop. Never going to stop. He's never going to stop. Never going to stop. He's never going to stop. Never gonna stop. He's never going to stop doing good to me. He's never going to stop. Never going to stop. He's never going to stop. Never going to stop. He's never going to stop doing good to me. He's never going to stop. Never going to stop. He's never going to stop. Never going to stop. He's never going to stop doing good to me. When bad happens, I know good's on its way because he's never going to stop, never going to stop. He's never going to stop, never going to stop. When government mandates and COVID and all the craziness, he's never going to stop, never going to stop. He's never going to stop, never going to stop. Found in translation changes everything. Changes everything. Permanent optimism. Her name is Shirley. One of the most famous characters in the Bible. 
Shirley, you jest. No. And don't call me Shirley. David would say, Shirley, goodness and mercy. You need to meet Shirley Goodness and her twin sister, Shirley Mercy. Shirley Goodness and Mercy. I would often, when I travel, I would say, I brought two ladies with me today. They support me everywhere I go. My wife is okay with this, but they support me. And of course, everyone's like, oh my God, this man's traveling with two women. And then I would introduce Shirley Goodness and Mercy. (laughs) David said, Shirley Goodness and Mercy shall. Oh, oh. It doesn't matter what direction I turn. It doesn't matter where I go. Everywhere I go. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Do you see what I'm saying? This was David's. David learned how to translate. The angel announces to Mary. On earth peace. Or to the shepherds. On earth peace. Goodwill. Toward man. Could it be that your peace on earth is dependent on whether or not you believe he has a good will toward you? <laughs> That's where my peace comes from. Bad has happened. This didn't, this didn't go right. This broke. I got taken advantage of. I was stolen from. I've been betrayed. I've been wounded. I've been abandoned. I've been neglected. I've been molested. He's never going to stop, never going to stop. He's never going to stop, never going to stop. He's never going to stop, never going to stop. He's never going to stop. This is how I think. Puts a permanent grin on my face. I'm found in translation. An inaccurate perception can lead to great deception. Unhealed emotional wounds, unforgiveness, and unrealistic expectations. I shared this with your pastor last evening. I was riding along in the car, and the Lord just dropped this little nugget into my spirit. I wrote it down. Jade is the gemstone of the bitter and resentful. Whenever I heard that in my spirit, I'm reminded of 1992 when I went to San Francisco to Chinatown. And there I was trying to buy my wife a a souvenir. And in the Chinatown shop souvenir shop a Chinese lady was there and I was going to buy something that was uniquely Chinese which would be jade the Asians love jade so I'm I'm picking up these trinket boxes and there's inlaid jade the lady says do you know how the difference to tell the difference between fake jade and real jade I'm like no she picks up the box and puts it to her lips and she says here you try it I'm like, so I put it to my lips and I'm like whoa she says it's cold I said yes it is She says, real jade is always colder than room temperature. Guard your heart. Stay on the scenic route where everything is beautiful. Get off the scenic route where everybody has a motive out to get you. (laughs) The Bible says the prodigal son, there arose a famine in the land. That's a lie. Because the previous verse says, when he had spent all, there arose a famine in the land. There wasn't a famine in the land. I can prove that. Because he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he got a job feeding swine. Question, where did the food for the pigs come from in the middle of a famine? And why are pigs alive in a famine? Bacon? Pork chop? 
pickled pig feet? Oh, that's right, I'm up north, sorry. No, and when he had spent all, the second he was broke, the second he had none, nobody had anything. There wasn't a famine in the land, there was a famine in the man. And he was projecting onto everyone his own pain. So you've been hurt by a preacher? All preachers are dirtbags. Your wife was unfaithful to you? All women are unfaithful. You see how that works? You're lost in translation. You do not understand the hand of God and the finger of God. How that God will use. I'm not telling you that what that person did to you was right, was moral, was good. What I'm saying is your perception of what took place must change. Of course if someone molested you, abandoned of course these things are immoral and ungodly. Of course. No one's arguing that. But why must you spend the rest of your life miserable, destroying your life and everyone around you? That is satanic. That is demonic. I come against that foul spirit of unforgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. God is here today to deliver you. You will be found in translation. The Bible's full of characters who almost lost it through mistranslation. David says, for it was not an enemy that reproached me. I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from them. Yeah, of course they're going to hate me. I mean, they're, hip, they're heathens out there. My God, they're reprobates. They're full of a devil. Of course they're going to feel that way about you. But David said, but... It was thou, a man, mine, equal, my guide, my mentor, mine acquaintance. And we took sweet counsel together. And we walked unto the house of God. Man, there's nothing like the betrayal of a brother. You want to hear what poison You want to hear what a mistranslation will do to you? Listen to David's response to that. This is David, the man after God's own heart. He says, let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell. That's what it says. You don't think he said it that way? You think it was like, eh, let death seize upon them. Enter. And let, let them go down quick into hell. Next line. Are you kidding me? David's remembering the wound. Wound is the past tense of the word wind. Wound. His life was wound around a wound. It jaded everything. How dare you, David, say somebody's going to go to hell. Yeah, that's how I feel right now. Sure, no good. Makes me want to cuss like the Tasmanian devil. I'm just picking. I'm not going to cuss. But when I was a little boy in the cartoons, Yosemite Sam, he would, he would cuss. He'd go, sassafrasarikarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakarakar
don't take me so serious. <laughs> it's easy to become bitter and to allow the orchestration of God to make you withdraw from him. It's all about the translation. It's all about how you translate what has happened to you. One person translated a flat tire as the ineptness of God, as the realm of the wicked and the domain of the devil. The devil did this. He did this to keep me from getting to work on time. Another person makes, has a different translation. <clears throat> I don't know what happened, but maybe this flat was the Lord preventing me from an accident. Found in translation. I'm trying to get you to the place where you see everything through the lens of God and his word. It can't all be about God, Clifton. Really? Really? <laughs> So you don't believe in an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God? You're telling me you honestly believe that this is all accident and everything's just kind of whatever? You don't believe that there is someone who sits on the circle of the earth, whose throne is heaven and earth is his footstool, who frames the world by his words? You don't believe that? Hmm. Ephesians 5 and 20, Paul says, giving thanks, say it again, giving thanks for, oh, come on now, come on, giving thanks, how often, and for what, bruh, bruh, you've obviously never had a divorce. You've obviously never had a, I have words, but I'm trying to be careful. If I was home, I would say the word, but I won't say it here. You've obviously never had a, a a colonoscopy. Paul said, giving thanks. How often? And for what? Always for all things, always for all things, always for all things, always for all things, always for all. He's never going to stop, never going to stop. He's never going to stop, never going to This is how I think. This is the mindset of a born-again believer. This is the mindset of someone who refuses to become jaded and bitter, who refuses to develop a callus on their heart, who remains in awe of God, who remains on fire for God all the days of their life. If this be the case, give me thanks always for all things. And I can now translate the breakup of my family when I was three years old to the hand of God, preparing me to be a blessing to thousands of families all over the world. It's not lost in translation. It's found in it. Either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He cannot be a part-time God. He refuses to be a limited God, a God that only works occasionally but is usually napping during your most critical moments. I'm here to declare that he is the only God, the omnipotent God. He is the almighty, not the most mighty. He is the almighty, not the almost mighty. He's the almighty. He has no equal. And since he has no equal, he has no opposite. He is the omniscient God, Isaiah 46 and 9, for I am God and there is none else, declaring the end from the beginning. If he declares the end from the beginning, then he also knows what's going to happen in the middle chapters. And that's where you are. You are in the meantime.
Meanwhile, back at the ranch. From promise given and promise fulfilled, you are in the meantime. Everything that's happening right now is in the meantime. You are going to be saved. You are going to heaven. That's the plan of God. It was always the plan of God. And he factored into that plan your failures and your shortcomings. Failure is not a person. It is an event. Just because you failed doesn't make you a failure. You may have failed your expectations, but you haven't failed him because you're still breathing. And if you're breathing, there is life. I don't care if you've lost your virginity, if you've been married 10 times. I don't care if you're a homosexual, transgender. I'm here to tell you I could care less what you've done, where you're from. Jesus Christ is able to save to the utmost. Change your translation. Stop viewing God as mad at you. He's not mad at you. He loves you with an undying love. I'm almost done. The greatest example of being found in translation has to be the story of Joseph. Betrayed by his brother, sold into a pit, sold into slavery. Falsely accused by a skank, seductress wife. Y'all say skank up here? (laughs) Cast into prison, betrayed by those he helps in prison. Poor, poor, pitiful uh, Joseph. Poor, pitiful Joseph. Poor, poor. Pitiful Joseph. Not fair. He's not fair. I'm only one to do good. I'm just trying, just trying. Just trying to do good. God gave me a dream. I shared it with my brothers and my mom. I thought they'd be happy with me. No, no. They lied. Threw me in a pit. I heard them arguing about me. If it wasn't for Judah, they'd let me there to die. (laughs) (laughs) Gloom, despair, agony on me. He heed and he hawed. Nobody over there knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Nobody. goodness of God into the evil of Satan. All of this Joseph is the hand of God. The betrayal, the wounds, all of it. It's not lost on Joseph because the way I portrayed Joseph is the antithesis of who he was and how he responded. You never find Joseph Boudin crying, hanging a lip of Baban. 
these are Cajun terms. You, you never find him doing that. You never f- see him hosting a pity party for how bad his life is. Because Joseph is a type of Christ. Christ isn't complaining and moaning, why, why, why do I have to die? Why is everybody always thinking on me? Mm-mm. It's all a part of the plan. You know what? I'm a human being. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, thy will be done. See, even Jesus Christ struggled sometimes with a little bit of translation. We're human beings. In your humanity, you will. And God has sent you a word today to help you to translate. The story, the story is in climax in Genesis chapter 50 after the boys come. You know the story of Joseph. The dad dies and the boys make up a lie. <laughs> dad said before he died, please don't kill my boys. They just knew that Joseph was going to get them. Now that Isaac, excuse me, that Jacob is gone, they're like, oh God, oh God, now, now that dad's gone, oh, he is going, because that's what they would have done. That is called accusation through projection. Now, you, that's, a, that's used today often. Often. His brother went down, fell before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said to him, Fear not! Am I in the place of God? You thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Joseph translated the evil of his brothers into the goodness of God. Don't let this be a good sermon. You need to think right now who in this church has hurt you. Don't, Don't let this be a sermon. No, no, no. This isn't a sermon. This is a word. You need to think about the pastor the associate pastor, the leader, the presbyter, the superintendent, the youth director, the Sunday school teacher. You need to think of who that person is that did you dirty. Come on, bring them up. Bring them up. Bring them up. <clears throat> I would ask you to raise your hands, but too many of you would lie. I would ask you to raise your hand if you've ever been hurt by someone in the church. And some of you would be silly enough to not raise your hand. And if you wouldn't raise your hand, then you would be guilty of what I just asked because you would hurt someone by not raising your hand. (laughs) If you've never been hurt in the church, you haven't been in the church very long. Of course you're going to get hurt. Of course. Listen to me. The fruit of the Spirit is developed through the abrasive interpersonal relationships within the body of Christ. You have been planted in a body. The fruit of peace will be developed in you when someone goes to war with you in the church. (laughs) Have you ever heard the story of, of Paul and John Mark? Come on! Are you kidding me? The, the, this is the, 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 I'm so glad the Bible left these characters in there and all their flaws. Of course there's someone in here that doesn't like you. Of course there's someone here that's talking about you. Duh. Do you have a brother? Do you have a sister? 
Do you have a cousin? Do you work with somebody? Were you so silly as to tell them you got a raise? Of course they can't stand you. You're going to have to figure out how to handle that. And stay in the church. Yep. Yep. You have to forgive them. You're going to have to forgive your pastor. You're going to have to forgive God. Yeah, you have to forgive God because he didn't come through for you when you wanted him to. And you've been holding ought against him. And you've translated the hand of God that was meant to develop you and to use you into an act of devils. Of course, Satan, Pharaoh, for the same reason have I raised thee up. You think Pharaoh was in control? Please. Mm-mm. That's God saying, watch this. He's always in control. I can't explain it all to you. I can't. I, I, I'm not God. I, I, I'm not omniscient. I know it's confusing. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about, what about Hitler? What about Mussolini? What about Karl Marx? What, what about Pol Pot? What, 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 what about him? I'm telling you, either he's God or he's not. Either he's in large and in charge or he's not. I choose to believe the word of God. He is the Lord God omnipotent and he reigneth. He's never going to stop. Never going to stop. He's never going to stop. Never going to stop. I hope that gets an earworm inside of you. Where it just stays repeating over and over and over and over. I got it written down on the wall in my church. I got it written on the walls at my house. He's never going to stop. Never going to stop. He's never going to stop doing good to me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm so excited when bad happens because I know good is on its way. And if good happens, I'm so excited because I know some more good is on its way. When the sun is shining, I'm so excited the sun is shining. When the sun isn't shining, I'm so excited because soon the sun is going to shine. Yeah. It keeps pep in your step. It keeps you eternally young. It keeps you from needing psychotropics. It keeps you from having to spend hours with counselors getting explanations for why. Why? What have I done? You're either lost or found in translation. A man I follow, and I'm coming to a close, musicians. A man that I follow, he's a great writer. His name is Jim Dennison. He writes a daily blog. He's a great author. I heard him in person at, at a meeting with the governor of Louisiana. He made a statement. And his, his premise was titled, God redeems all he allows. It's a great subject to study. God redeems all he allows. He said, I believe God redeems all he allows. Because he is perfect, he can never make a mistake. Because he is sovereign, he must allow or cause all things that happen. If he allows or causes anything he does not redeem for greater good, then he has made a mistake. But he cannot make a mistake. Therefore, his character requires him to redeem all he allows for greater good. God allowed me to be born into a home that would be broken into pieces. He allowed me to be born left-handed, bow-legged, ball-headed, and flat-footed. 
so that wherever I travel, I would get to say these cute little words that would make people chuckle. <clears throat> he would give me the gift of humor and words. Humor is what makes you human. We're the only organisms with the capacity to laugh, to understand, to compute humor. And so God gave me a gift of humor. He gave me the gift of pain and suffering. I went through hell and I lived to tell about it. Her name was, last name was Back. Her first name was Helen. Once, you, once you've been to Helen Back, once you meet her, the rest is a piece of pie. Nothing to it. It's going to be all right. What's the worst that can happen? It's like Sister Vesta Mangan said, as it pertains to COVID and all this craziness. She says, you can't threaten me with heaven. If I live, I win. If I die, I win. Either way, I win. Found in translation. He's never going to stop. Never going to stop. Never going to stop. Never going to stop. Come on, stand to your feet. Put a smile on your face. Everything God allowed, He will redeem. He has a purpose for your specific individual life. Tailor-made. You've been tailor-made for this generation. You've been tailor-made for where you are. You've been tailor-made for this. I will not come back and preach the Siamese twin to this sermon. I was hot between two messages. The other message was going to be titled Tongues and Interpretation. I would spend the first 10 minutes talking about the three types of tongues in the Bible. The evidence of the new birth, the gift used with the gift of interpretation in a church setting, and your prayer language, basically. But the real message was about what do you do when God speaks in an unknown tongue? Tongues and interpretation. For some of you, the loss of a mate, the untimely death of a friend, a loved one. How are you going to interpret when God speaks in an unknown tongue? Tongues and interpretation. I don't understand. I don't know why he didn't heal. But I know this. I'm not going anywhere. I love you and I trust you. Have you ever heard of Batrachotoxin? Batrachotoxin was used by South American Indians as a weapon. These Indians used venom-tipped blowpipes to hunt their prey. Batrachotoxin is the poison they use. It kills by interfering with sodium ion channels in the cells of muscles and nerves, jamming them open so that they do not close. And this ultimately results in heart failure. Batrachotoxin results in heart failure. Batrachotoxin. Batrachotoxin results in heart failure. Where do they get this poison? Well, crazy. They get it from a frog. This frog. The Phalabates terribilis. <laughs> Harmless, isn't he? Phalabates terribilis. You see, they sweat out the poison from the frog over a fire before putting it on their darts. 
You want to know how powerful the venom is, the poison from this frog is? It has an LD50, around two micrograms per kilogram. Mm-hmm. Man was talking in tongues. Let me interpret for you. The LD is the lethal dose amount of an ingested substance that kills 50% of a test sample. This venom has an LD50 of two micrograms, two micrograms of poison from the Philabetes terribilis kills 50% of the people that ingest it. Here's an interesting fact about the Philabetes terribilis. These frogs that are captive born, in other words, they have the frogs, then the frogs mate in captivity, and they give birth to new frogs. The captive born frogs of these species are not poisonous at all, suggesting that the poison is derived from their diet. What made them poisonous, what made them deadly, was not originally in them. It was the result of what they consumed. It was the result of what they allowed to get in them. Brother Tinney would say, Clifton, if it doesn't affect your spirit, it cannot affect your destiny. I'm not going to let you infect my spirit. You may lie on me, cheat on me, steal from me, but I will not go to my grave bitter. I refuse. I refuse to allow what's around me to get inside of me. You can get all that poison out today, this morning. This morning, you can translate all the hell that's happened to you, the abuse, the neglect, the abandonment, the molestation, the deaths, the cancers, whatever, whatever, whatever. How, how you translate that changes this morning. This morning, I was sent here to help you think differently so that you can enjoy your life, not just now, but from now on. And your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, you become a cycle breaker. All of this happened to help me. All of this. The 400 years of captivity was just so God could make bare his holy arm. He can show off. Look at that. With a mighty outstretched arm, he grabs Israel, pulls them out of Egypt. The Bible talks about him rolling up his sleeves. He said, I will roll up my sleeves. When God makes bare his holy arm, is what it says. Is he makes bare his arm. What, 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 when a man rolls up his sleeves, what does that mean? Three things. Number one, he's going to work. You want God to show off when he rolls up his sleeve? That means he's going to work for you. He'll make bare his holy arm. Another way is he's also getting ready to fight. Right? I want God to, I want God to work for me. I want him to fight for me. And another reason a man rolls up his sleeves. He wants to show off. God wants to make bare his holy arm on your behalf. He wants to fight for you. He wants to defend you. He wants to show off for you. And he wants to go to work for you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, right now, 
begin to draw right now help them unload right now in this altar help them right now unload god my mind is changing today in the name of jesus mindsets are changing depression is leaving right now in the name of jesus christ oppression is leaving right now in the name of jesus what are you waiting for this altar's open come on come on come on you're found in translation my thought processes my language my language my words my words are going to change now how i think how i speak Come on, young person. I know your mom isn't here. Your dad isn't here. But you're here. You're here. And one day your husband's going to be here. One day your wife is going to be here. And one day your kids are going to be here. God's putting stuff in you by putting things through you. He put you through some things to put some things inside of you. Bring it to the altar. Let the fire of passion consume it in the name of Jesus Christ.